and welcome back to Air Magique. I'm your host, Eric, and with me is my amazing co-host, Niels. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be kicking off our new Disney World versus Disneyland Paris series, where we will be comparing the two resorts and discussing the unique advantages of each. Yes, I love me some Walt Disney World. But before we get to the news, I did want to mention that this month's Patreon exclusive episode will be all about the new Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel. We're going to do an in-depth analysis of all the information yeah. and rumors that have trickled out over the past two years. And we'll be chatting about everything we know so far, from all the different room types to the restaurants and the meet and greets. And I'm going to try to make that Hotel New York mocktail they showed us in that promo video. I'm going to tell you guys all about how it tastes. <laughs> so you can get access to this bonus episodes plus many more for just two euro on patreon.com slash And just for fun, we've decided to call it Air plus because you know why diva <laughs> as always to our patrons thank you for your support it helps keep the show running so niels what caught your attention in the past few weeks well the upcoming disneyland uh, hotel refurbishment which oh, has yes. been announced like forever yeah. <laughs> but it has finally been confirmed now so um, the refreshed design will feature a royal theme with disney princesses and we already got some new room concept art from Disney. It's just <laughs> one image for this moment, but uh, the Disneyland Hotel uh, will undergo an extensive refurbishment. The public areas will be reimagined uh, to pay uh, homage to the films and their characters with all hotel rooms and suites entirely being rethemed to offer the most, well, immersive experience. Expect refined creative decor and magical touches. And even better, guests will benefit from a larger pool area Ooh. and also an expanded spa. So I'm a bit <laughs> curious how they will do that. <laughs> Are they breaking out the pool and making it bigger or will they just do some smart rebuilding of some of the current areas? I'm not sure how they will tackle that, but uh, let's see how that works out. And of course, there will be uh, updated restaurants and bars. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's uh, see uh, which other details will be revealed probably anytime soon. Yes. But the new Disneyland hotel rooms will feature hidden icons and designs from many Disney princesses and princes. So uh, yeah, magical touches, art, cleverly hidden, um, updated technology. So there's a lot of cool things that we can expect there. The lobby, restaurants and pool will be entirely reimagined uh, as said. So it will be a total royal experience uh, that we get there. Totally. I'm really looking forward to this. And what intrigues me about the rooms is that in the concept art we've seen so far, there's no television. No. So it appears as if it might be hidden behind a behind large the mirror, mirror panel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a nice little sofa area everything is mostly this pastel beige and uh, the carpeting yep. is this kind of dark maroon it's looking very elegant yeah. and still uh, with the victorian theming eh, that we yes. all know from the current hotel so th that's something that i'm really happy with yeah it still fits the exterior i love that as well i'm assuming the exterior will stay exactly as it is so far it's probably going to get a fresh yeah. paint job or something i guess so yeah other than that it does feature these very large portraits in the concept art we're seeing cinderella on the first one i can't really tell what's in the second one i don't know if i'm a huge fan of these i love the elegance of the disneyland mm -hmm. hotel and i like the subtlety of it yeah. this is almost like 
Hotel New York the art of Marvel, <laughs> where it's got these big, bold art pieces. Yeah. Not too big a fan of that personally, but I'll hold judgment off until I see a final room other than the concept art. Definitely love the lampshades. It all feels very Disneyland Hotel, very five star, yep. very elegant. True. And it's about time that these rooms get some love. And I'm really curious when we're going to get to see some concept art or renderings of the new restaurants, what they're going to do there. Yeah. I think those have a lot of potential and could also use a bit Definitely. of a facelift, even though I love the way they are. Of course I do, but I feel like they can get even more out of them these days. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't touch inventions. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are now raising the question, hey, what will happen to the famous and loved Café Fantasia? Oh, yeah. Yes, the Fantasia theme is maybe not fitting the princesses and princes. Very true. Inventions so, technically yeah. also really isn't fitting that theme anymore. No. So if it's going to be like more of a royal dining hall experience, like what you get yeah. over at... Auberge de Saint-Rion. Yeah, 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 we'll see. But I would really enjoy if they kept inventions <laughs> yeah you, you really like events yeah and i have to say that i love uh, cafe fantasia but uh, yeah. yeah but uh, i guess they will find a way to still make it nice and update it a bit and uh, totally yeah it was a bit of a bummer when we were there last time for our castle club trip the pool was closed throughout our trip so i can't even really give my opinion on if i mm. like it the way it is or not it was only open on saturday and sunday i believe so that was kind yeah. of a bummer i hope that when they update the hotel they'll also extend the pool opening hours as well as the pool itself oh maybe <laughs> that's, the, during the that, week. that's the extension it's it's yeah. not the pool itself it's just the opening hours <laughs> that'd be kind of funny no <laughs> it's all in no. the wording <laughs> exactly no but this move in general is in line with uh, what is disney is doing uh, globally in their parks uh, bringing in more IP where they can. The Disneyland Hotel now uh, with uh, the Disney princesses. Yeah. yeah, so a lot has been happening to our beloved attractions at Disneyland Paris in terms of refurbishments and updates. One in particular, the iconic Orbitron, which is a rocket spinner attraction in Discoveryland, yeah. has been getting some extra, extra love. So this beautiful gold steampunk planetary design was inspired by Leonardo da Vinci's visionary drawings of the solar system. The attraction is an opening day original and has been around since 1992. Now, the ride is getting some intense and well-deserved R&R and has been so, in fact, since January when the Disneyland Paris facilities, asset management and the central shops teams have been working together with local contractors to freshen up the Orbitron. The teams are renovating floors, repainting the individual elements, and updating the audio systems as well as the queue, which will include the addition of a brand new gatehouse. So I'm sure there will be some happy cast members <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, of that, exactly. <laughs> especially on rainy days. <laughs> yeah. The shrubs, rocks, and craters surrounding the attraction are also being touched up. What's kind of jarring at the moment is that there's just a big old hole <laughs> where the almost eight meter tall, um, that's 26 feet, Orbitron once stood. That's because the entire attraction has been completely dismantled and transferred to the central workshops where the teams can, you know, really get in there. I'm really looking forward to seeing the attraction restored to its original former glory. All of the not strictly necessary rotating elements have not really been working in recent memory. So this will be really exciting. I really hope they restore all those individual pieces. I feel like it adds such a wonderful kinetic energy to Discoveryland. Next to Space Mountain, this was the icon of that land. Exactly. And and Space Mountain came later. So this was the original icon, the original weenie. And I think, Uh, well, there are a lot of people that don't really like this attraction, but it's definitely 
the eye catcher of Discovery Land, as you can already spot it from the annual pass bureau. Oh yeah, it's really grabbing your attention and uh, it looks fabulous. So this was quite a surprise that they're now renovating it totally. I agree. I wasn't really expecting that. I didn't have it on my radar to be honest. But um, no, me neither. <laughs> I feel like this is something that smaller kids will really appreciate. I know I did back when I was very little. I love the Orbitron. Too young to go on Space Mountain, so the Orbitron was like a nice... Alternative. Alternative, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something I could do. And I was still too scared of Star Tours to really rewrite it a lot at that time. So, you know, for an eight-year-old, it's quite intense. Mm-hmm. I want to see it back in its original form. Restored yeah. former glory with all the little rotating planets and things. So beautiful. Yeah, nice. Jim Scholl talked about it recently. He mentioned that he did want to put it up on a tall tower if he could have to really have it up <laughs> there in the sky to add more... More intensity <laughs> <laughs> budgetary restraints at the time held them back yeah. so yeah i think it's really awesome it is. yeah so disney world versus disneyland paris so in this first episode of the series we'll be focusing on the magic kingdom and comparing it to disneyland park as well as all the fabulous hotels that are available at the two resorts yeah. I'm going to kick us off with the Magic Kingdom, and we're going to go through that, and then we're going to focus on the beautiful hotels, and Niels is going to tell us all about those. (laughs) Yes. One of the first major differences that you will notice between the two parks is Tomorrowland versus Discoveryland. My first time visiting the Magic Kingdom was around my 14th birthday. My mom and I had been to Disney World before, but at the time I was super obsessed with Star Tours for some reason. (laughs) And unlike in Disneyland Paris, where the attraction is located in Discoveryland, At Walt Disney World, it's not located in the Castle Park or Magic Kingdom, but over in Hollywood Studios Park. For those of you who are completely new to the Walt Disney World Resort, there are four theme parks and two water parks. So everything is more split up. It's a lot bigger and there's a lot more to do, really. Anyway, I think the first major difference between Tomorrowland and Discoveryland is that they both try to solve the need for a futurism type area. However, go about it completely differently. Discoveryland in Paris is a Victorian era steampunk vision of a future that never was, while Tomorrowland over in the Magic Kingdom is a space age vision of the future. This is immediately noticeable when you enter the respective land. Discoveryland is full of brass and copper and golden tones, while most of Tomorrowland is predominantly white with soft blues. Now, four similar attractions that both lands share are Buzz Lightyear's Laser Blast, or Space Ranger Spin, as it's <laughs> called over in yeah. Walt Disney World, Autopia, or the Tomorrowland Speedway, Orbitron, or Astro Orbiter and Space Mountain, which is thankfully has the same name at both well, resorts. We now have Hyperspace well, guess, Mountain, but. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. A lot of similarities uh, yeah, indeed yeah. in the attractions. Yeah. Yeah. Besides a few minor differences, both Buzz Lightyear's iterations will feel like the same attraction. Autopia and Space Mountain, on the other hand, are heavily stylized to fit their respective parks. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw the beautiful white Space Mountain in Walt Disney World, I was completely speechless because it was like Space Mountain designed by Apple in California for me. (laughs) It was so minimal, so clean. I really loved it. But, you know, growing up with the Victorian vision of Space Mountain with its giant cannon and all the wonderful details in the version in Paris, well, it's just very interesting to see where they drew their inspiration. Mm -hmm. First of all, the American version is much slower and features known versions. If you can handle Big Thunder Mountain, you can definitely handle Space Mountain in the States. Whereas I wouldn't say the same for Paris. (laughs) Paris's version, which still has a fun but utterly basic Star Wars overlay currently, was originally very detailed. It was very Jules Verne. 
So if you're interested in finding out more about the attraction's history, check out our Space Mountain episode where we deep dive into that. But I'm going to keep it short and basic here, since we have so much to talk about. What I'm really getting at is that Space Mountain Paris is an intense attraction with several inversions, a catapult-style launch system. <laughs> so for our American listeners, the closest thing you can compare the experience to is Rock and Roller Coaster over in Hollywood Studios. It's on that level of intensity. A lot of fun, but these days, you know, I'm getting kind of old. <laughs> I can no longer do this attraction more than two times in a row, whereas in the States, you know, it's no problem. Ride that all day long. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, we also have Star Tours in Discoveryland, something that's missing in Tomorrowland. It's a cute little Star Tours themed area with an X-Wing fighter on the roof. It's not really steampunk, but visually it's close enough mm -hmm. so that it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb no. in the land. The attraction experience itself, again, is very similar to the American version. Only in France, you may experience <laughs> it in French yep. as well as English. So the cast member can set the experience to either language. Yeah, which is yeah, pretty cool. The biggest <laughs> difference is the shop in the end, but the rides are uh, well exactly the same indeed. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you're doing the language selection on a stream or on Blu-ray and you can pick the language of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Original or the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, there are several attractions that you can only find in in Tomorrowland and have no equal in Paris, like the iconic Tomorrowland Transit Authority yes. People Mover, which is themed to an urban mass transit system of the future. <laughs> the chill ride experience is great for an after lunch experience as the vehicle takes you on a grand circle tour of the realm of Tomorrowland. You get really great elevated views of several of the attractions available in the land and even dive right into Space Mountain, yeah, which is pretty cool. fun. Yeah. I really love this ride and I wish we had something similar in Discoveryland yeah, since me too. it just adds so much energy to the space and you get a nice overview. Yeah. So I can imagine like some fun Jules Verne type vehicles just <laughs> yeah. slowly moving around the space, you know, on something rails. Like that. like, yeah, that'd that be would really, be really fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I like that it's high up. There's something moving. So it really adds some dynamics to the whole event. It's like a little monorail. Most definitely. <laughs> and you get some layered attractions actually. Yeah. It's indeed going through Space Mountain, through Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. You have a nice view over the Tomorrowland Speedway. It's really cool. It's slow and maybe a bit dull, but yeah, I love it. <laughs> I really love it too. The first time I yeah. saw it, I was so curious about it because you just see some people zipping up along there and you're like, oh, I want to do that. This looks like fun. Yeah. And it's something that you can do with the whole family. So even if, you know, grandma's yeah. in the park with you, she can definitely go on it. It's super chill and it's really fun. Yeah. Another fun and dare I say historical attraction is the Carousel of Progress, which is an <laughs> audio yeah. animatronic stage show created by both Walt Disney and Walt Disney Imagineering. It was the flagship attraction of General Electric at the 1964 New York World's Fair. So what's especially impressive about this show, besides the great storytelling and historical insights, it's divided up into several acts, each one with its own set and scenery. Now, since animatronics could not physically shift their position at the time, <laughs> the solution was to have the entire audience rotate around the show elements, hence the name mm. Carousel of Progress. It never fails to impress me to see this giant theater rotate around these show scenes. I mean, these are hundreds of seats. It's really impressive. I've never experienced anything like it. Also another great after lunch attraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor is another fun show that utilizes digital puppetry technology similar to Stitch Live over in Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. So live actors perform the voices behind a large digital screen while computer-generated rendered monsters appear with the actors' voices. 
Basically, we enter a comedy club opened by Mike Wazowski to generate <laughs> clean and safe laugh power for Monstropolis. Yeah. So it's a pretty cute show. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You can send in your own jokes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> through text and it's just fun. And it's a, well, a good sit down in the air conditioning on a hot oh, day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a European visitor, it's almost worth getting an American SIM card just to be able to send in your own jokes. <laughs> Have you ever sent in a joke? But, yeah, well, I tried to send it in but uh, i'm not sure if it worked out with my uh, dutch uh, phone indeed okay when it comes to dining the cafe hyperion and cosmic ray starlight cafe are basically <laughs> the same it's the same vibe yeah when it comes to menu and counter service both offer your basic burger and fries type meals and have a super large capacity both also offer unique entertainment True. while you eat your very basic burger and fries. <laughs> Cosmic Rays features animatronic musical entertainment by Sunny Eclipse, while the Café Hyperion offers a mix of cartoon shorts and film clips, as well as live entertainment on its massive stage. If you're lucky enough to be there <laughs> the right time, that is. True. By the way, Café Hyperion might soon get mobile ordering, something that is widely available at Walt Disney World, but has yet to make its way over to Paris, so yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Really good. I don't... <laughs> Yeah, so excited. That's another reason to go there, even though <laughs> it's not the yeah. best. I don't think I'd ever really recommend either the Café Hyperion or Cosmic Rays as a dining experience. Mm. But it's a great place to stop by if you really just want, you know, the basics and you don't care about a great culinary dining experience. So <laughs> I go there more often than I like to admit, honestly. When I went there, I think I only went there once uh, in 2018. And that summer there was some kind of Incredibles season going on in uh, Tomorrowland. And they had an Incredibles burger <laughs> over there, oh. which was massive, of course. <laughs> I think it was like a beef burger, but also bacon and maybe uh, a chicken strips oh, or wow. something Heart else. But burger. Yeah, well, <laughs> there was a lot of meat or onion rings or something <laughs> else on it, uh, fried onion rings. It was a massive thing, but it was actually pretty good. But the whole theming of this restaurant is pretty straightforward. Uh, but yeah, uh, but Sunny Eclipse is really funny and uh, yeah, he's super cute. Yeah, it's like a twenty-minute loop, I think. Yeah, so be yeah. sure and that you finish your burger in twenty minutes. <laughs> 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 now, in Tomorrowland, you also have the Tomorrowland Terrace, which serves up your basic fried seafood delights with minimal theming. This is really as simple as it gets. Yeah. You know, you just got your nice view of the castle and a small lagoon, and that's yeah. pretty much it. It's the view. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that there's also small food and drink carts available throughout both Tomorrowland as well as Discoveryland. This also goes for all the remaining lands that we're going to talk about. In terms of merch, the two biggest stores are Constellations by Buzz Lightyear's Laser Blast and Star Traders by Star Tours and Discoveryland. Over in Tomorrowland, there's also Star Traders, but it's not by Star Tours there. Of course, there's no Star Tours. As well as Buzz Lightyear's photo by the respective attraction. For visitors coming to Paris, I definitely recommend checking out Star Traders, even if you're not going to ride Star Tours. There's a ton of exclusive merchandise in there, yep. as well as some luxury collectible items like the original 70mm film splices of the first Star Tours ride film. They can only find there and nowhere else, which is pretty yeah, cool. it is. It's a massive store, but it's fabulous. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, Niels, do you have a favorite, Tomorrowland or Discoveryland? That's really difficult. It's a tough one. But... Yeah, I think 
Tomorrowland has a bit more attraction, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might go for Tomorrowland. But overall, the whole look and feel of the steampunk Discovery Land in Disneyland Paris, I think it's nicer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. So for the looks, Paris, maybe for the attractions, yeah, I'm not sure. The Tron coaster that's coming there is also going to make a really true. strong contender, yeah. honestly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think Autopia is also nicer than the Tomorrowland Speedway. Yeah, also true. I think our orbit is more an eye-catcher than the Astro Orbiter in uh, Walt Disney World. There's more details, yeah. more elements. Yeah. 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 But I love that people move her. <laughs> <laughs> I personally have like a really big soft spot for the Carousel of Progress. I think it's a really cool yeah. attraction. I don't think it would work in Europe. Mm-hmm. However, I think a people mover type experience would definitely work in Discovery Land. Yeah. But I think in the end, I would go for Discovery mm-hmm. Land. Mm-hmm. It's a tough decision. So what would be your choice? <laughs> I completely agree. I prefer the aesthetics of Discovery Land. Yeah. I think at the moment, especially with Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain, <laughs> I feel like our Space Mountain has really been you know, weakened in terms of theming and storytelling. I would also currently prefer that. the I would say the attraction quality is currently higher in Walt Disney World, even though there it's also kind of a mess at the moment with Stitch's mm. Great Escape missing, but there's yeah, a new true. rumored Wreck-It Ralph attraction coming there, so we'll see what that happens. Yeah. And the new Tron coaster is really gonna, yeah, you know... Yeah, but that will be a, a highlight for uh, Tomorrowland. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. But we have the Nautilus, right? We have the <laughs> Nautilus, which is gorgeous, Autopia yeah. is gorgeous. If they restore Space Mountain, I will prefer that one over the one mm-hmm. in Walt Disney World, definitely. And I love that we have Star Tours there. I think that's yeah, uh, true. Yeah. something that that's I was nice, kind of missing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From. Uh, oh, and we have Mickey's Filler Magic. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I've blocked it out of uh, my memory. Yeah, I just realized that there's also the Discovery yeah. Theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's totally not fitting in that area. Uh, yeah. So let's forget about that- it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at this point, if they get enough budget, I wouldn't be mad if the Discovery Land Theater, if that takes a bow and I do and gets replaced by some kind of dark ride experience that would fit the area, mm-hmm. preferably something yeah. original or, you know, I'll even take IP based at this point. But um, <laughs> yeah. moving on to the castle. Yeah. So the castle is the icon of both the Magic Kingdom as well as Disneyland Park in Paris. And it could be argued that it is the icon of Disney in its entirety. It's definitely one of the most photographed spots of any Mm -hmm. Disney park. And what is especially fun is that no two castles are alike. So at least currently (laughs) that is. (laughs) Although someone in Imagineering really liked our pink pastel color palette since it has recently been applied to Cinderella's castle in the Magic Kingdom. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. So in Paris, we have Le Château de la Belle à Bois Dormant, or Sleeping Beauty Castle, which comes in at 50.9 meters. That's 167 feet. While the Magic Kingdom rocks Cinderella's castle, which comes in a bit taller at 189 Mm. feet or 58 meters. Honestly, with the help of forced perspective, when you're standing on the ground, both feel (laughs) quite a bit taller than they really are. With so many fabulous castles nearby in Paris, Imagineers found it particularly challenging to differentiate Sleeping Beauty Castle from those nearby. They knew that if they wanted to impress the European parkers, they couldn't just merge various castles from Europe and call it a day, but they really had to create a true fairy tale castle 
So if you want to <laughs> learn even more about the design and history of Sleeping Beauty Castle, again, we have a whole show yeah. on that alone. Now, Cinderella's Castle in the Magic Kingdom took a different approach. It draws its shape from a variety of castles. These include Chateau de Ousay, <laughs> I might be saying that wrong, so apologies in advance, Fontainebleau, Versailles, and the Chateau of Chenonceau, <laughs> nice. Pierre Falls, Chambord, Chamont, and the Alcazar of Segovia. <laughs> Segovia? That's <laughs> but, Marvel, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking of something. Segovia. No, Segovia. Segovia. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> and most obviously, Neuschwanstein Castle in Bavaria. Other sources of inspiration include the spires of Notre Dame in Paris, the Mosna Castle in Poland, and the Tin Church in Prague. Herbert Ryman, who was the chief designer on the project, also referred to the original animated film Cinderella. Notably, Cinderella's castle was kept in a beautiful pale gray and blue palette, which was super iconic and contrasted beautifully against the blue Florida sky. Mm -hmm. However, Disney decided to change things up a bit for their 50th anniversary and recolored the castle in a pastel pink shade, pretty much just like ours in Paris, yep. and the spires in a royal blue with gold accents, which look really nice in my opinion. It's just a bit of a bummer that they moved so far away from the original vision and reduced its unique appeal. Also, we've seen some color issues already with the harsh Florida sun bleaching everything out right away. <laughs> they <laughs> have already had to touch up the color after just a few months. So I'm curious to see how long this lasts. I don't think they're going to keep it this shade forever. It just seems like it's going to be a nightmare in terms of maintenance in Florida. Yeah. I totally wouldn't be mad to see a return to its original gray palette, which is beautiful and I'm sure a lot easier on the maintenance yeah. teams. So later they will just tell us that this was part of the uh, 50 anniversary uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> theming. Remember when they turned our castle into a giant cake? Oh, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> I can't say it was tasteful, but it was yeah, colorful. I, I didn't like it either. <laughs> the cool thing about both castles is that you can walk through them as a parkour the interior of Sleeping Beauty Castle's main corridor resembles an enchanted stone forest with beautiful stained glass windows by Peter Chapman, who had previously worked on the restoration of Notre Dame in Paris. And warm faux candle lighting. It feels almost like an ancient place of worship, like <laughs> kind of like a temple. I really love yeah. our atrium. It's so yeah, beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Walking through Cinderella Castle at the Magic Kingdom, you'll notice that the main corridor is quite a bit longer and more traditional in the sense that it could be a real gothic castle in Europe. It's less fantastical than Sleeping Beauty's Enchanted Forest. One of my favorite details are the five mosaic murals that tell the tale of Cinderella. Every mural is housed in an impressive arch that is 15 feet high and 10 feet wide. Back in Paris, you can actually go up to the second story and explore Seeping Beauty's stained glass gallery, which tells the story of the motion picture on glass. And there is even a lovely balcony overlooking Fantasyland, yep. so you've got some really great views there. You can also head down into the Dragon's Lair and see one of the largest animatronics Disney has ever built. Most think it's Maleficent down there when in fact it's Merlin's pet dragon, <laughs> which is why the Dragon's Lair is directly connected to Merlin Le Chanteur, a gift shop that specializes in handmade glassware, made directly on location a lot of the time, which is really yeah. fun. And across from Le Enchanteur, you'll find La Boutique de Chateau, where you can fill your Christmas heart's desire all year round. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I've always wanted in Paris is a sit-down restaurant in the castle. So Magic Kingdom's Cinderella Castle has got your back yeah. there with Cinderella's Royal Table. 
The restaurant is definitely pricey with $62 per adult plus drinks and gratuity and tax (laughs) (laughs) and usually features character dining. So you get to meet Cinderella by the entrance, of course. And then you've also got Snow White, Ariel and Jasmine, which come by the table. So this is a really nice place for special occasions. Of course, now during the pandemic, there's no meet and greet aspect. Another cool experience unique to the overseas parks is the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Mm -hmm. Now there are multiple locations, so you don't have to go to one in the castle. But it's where it's the most fun, in my opinion. (laughs) They offer really fun princess and now night makeovers for boys as well, which is really fun. And this is aimed at the kid demographic, so 3 to 12 years of age. So I can't go and be turned into a princess. (laughs) (laughs) One last thing I wanted to mention is the fabulous nighttime show in the Magic Kingdom. And one of the highlights is Tinkerbell. Yeah, flying over. Yeah, over the crowd. It's really, really fun. Now she flies 750 feet, averaging 15 miles per hour. It's a really spectacular effect, and it's unique to the Magic Kingdom. A fun fact that I found out recently is that Tinkerbell is actually often portrayed by a stunt man in nighttime shows. So yes, you heard me. Full on (laughs) Disney drag queen up there. I love it. She's so high up and moving so quickly you'll never notice. But some clever parkourers captured it with a close up (laughs) with a telephoto lens. So you can (laughs) And then uh, they saw that she had a beard. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that was really fun. No, no, yeah, but but she's just a highlight in the air, in the night, with the regular eye (laughs) you won't notice. Yeah, no, you won't. So Main Street USA, as well as the additional Land of Liberty Square, which is unique to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. So one thing that really surprised me is how much effort it takes to get to the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) You can technically walk around the Seven Seas Lagoon. The closest hotel is a contemporary resort, and it takes you about 10 minutes on foot. Whereas if you arrive by car, you pretty much have to take the monorail or ferry to the park. So it's a whole process that you really need to... plan time for (laughs) whereas in paris you can just stroll right into disneyland park from the parking lot or your respective hotel okay to be fair from the budget resorts like cheyenne and santa fe it's also a 10 to 15 minute walk but if you're staying at the disneyland hotel it's right there you're literally entering right into the park or you can even access it from the metro system or the trains it's all right there magic kingdom is indeed a bit uh, more difficult yeah it's a journey so one of the most jarring differences between the two parks is their respective version of main street usa entering below the ginormous victorian hotel in paris which acts as a sort of divider between the real world and the fantastical world of the parks, most visitors will notice that an insane amount of detail has been integrated into the Parisian version. Although many of the buildings featured have a similar shape and form as the Disney World version, they are not identical. You'll often spot more details in the Parisian interpretation Mm -hmm. since the Imagineers were really clever in how they managed their money in Paris. The train station is one of the first things one encounters in both parks. In the States, the station is a beautiful, airy construction, whereas in Paris, it's a bit more closed off. But as a reward, we get these gorgeous stained glass windows and really detailed railings. When seasonal events are happening, the station is also heavily decorated in most cases. Passing underneath the station in Paris, you'll immediately notice hundreds of little Edison light bulbs on the ceiling, as well as monogrammed metal supports and intricately tiled floors as well as some of the fantastic attraction posters. Whereas the passage underneath the Main Street Station at the Magic Kingdom is kept in a very simple but lovely gray shade and also features several of the fantastic posters. Again, if you look at photos of your vacation side by side, it is 
really striking how much simpler the Walt Disney World version truly is. It's quite baffling, really. It shocked me when I was comparing the two. I didn't have a memory <laughs> so simply, but it's one of those things that you really don't notice unless you have a direct comparison yeah. because you're so excited to get into the park. You just want to you know, get right through the, <laughs> the main street, see the castle. <laughs> yeah. Another big difference is that Town Square at Walt Disney World features the American flag in the center while yeah. in Paris has an intricately designed gazebo. I feel like the Imagineers wanted to tone down the patriotism a bit in their international parks. Mm -hmm. American visitors overseas should also check out the Liberty and Discovery arcades on the left and right hand side of Main Street. They keep you from getting wet during inclement weather and are stuffed to the brim with yeah. design details. I especially love the gas lamps in the Liberty Arcade and backdoor entrances to many of the shops and restaurants on Main Street. We also have a whole episode on Main Street USA alone, yeah. <laughs> again, as part of our deep dive series where we dive into the design, exactly. experience and history on Main Street in Paris. So be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. Both Main Streets offer the Main Street vehicles, though they look unique in each park. You'll also find Casey's Corner in both Walt Disney World and yeah. Disneyland Paris. <laughs> really important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good hot dog. Totally. In both parks, Main Street is also a fantastic place to pick up merch. And if you're looking for an elevated dining experience on Main Street at Walt Disney World, Tony's Town Square Restaurant is an acceptable choice. The restaurant was inspired by the Disney film The Lady and the Tramp and features a fun water fountain display of the two, along with fairly average Italian food. Over in Disneyland Paris, Walt's Restaurant is your choice for elegant dining if you're lucky enough to be there when it's open, <laughs> which sadly is not often the case. No. Imagineers intended the restaurant to be Everyman's Club 33. It really does have a fantastic interior inspired by the four lands of it Disneyland is. Park. Yeah. For European visitors checking out the Magic Kingdom for the first time, Okay, so technically this isn't Main Street anymore, but there's a whole land we don't have known as Liberty Square. Themed after colonial America, replicas of both the Liberty Bell and Liberty Tree can be seen there. Yep. This is also technically the land of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. However, it's always felt really apart to me personally. Presiding over the square is the Hall of Presidents, an American history show featuring an impressive array of audio animatronic figures of every president of the United States. The Liberty Square has a long waterfront on the rivers of America and the Liberty Bell Riverboat, which is, you know, Molly Brown's cousin. <laughs> Yeah. The vibe is not entirely Main Street, but has several similarities, particularly portraying historical America. Exactly. Yeah, for those character meet and greet fans out there, I wanted to give a shout out to Town Square Theater in the Magic Kingdom, which mm, features yep. this really cool articulated Mickey meet and greet, which was sadly discontinued in 2018. <laughs> These days, once the social distancing guidelines have been lifted, that is, you can still meet the regular old miming Mickey Mouse. Over in Paris, there are some outdoor selfie spots in front of the Liberty and Discovery arcade yep. as well as character dining in plaza gardens all you can eat restaurant again these are currently not available so we'll keep you guys posted on any guideline changes at the parks and they're still closed in europe anyway currently so yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah. get in at all yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. we've talked quite a bit about how unique some of the attractions at disneyland paris are especially big thunder mountain but alas this episode would feel so incomplete if I didn't mention it quickly here one more time <laughs> that Paris's Frontierland is not only the most extensive rendition of a Western style town in any Disney park, but also features the most elaborate Big Thunder Mountain. And that's definitely the best one. <laughs> yeah. The train features two exclusive underwater tunnels that you won't get to experience anywhere else. And the whole attraction takes place on an island, which is just incredible. The track layout is quite similar to the international renditions of the attraction, mm -hmm. which are still very fun, but a lot shorter. 
Again, we have a whole episode on Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> yeah, true. Now, first-time visitors to the Magic Kingdom will be pleased to discover several additions that you can experience in Paris. One of my favorites is Splash Mountain, which is a thrilling log flume type attraction and will be receiving a Princess and the Frog re-theme in the near future, which is really exciting <laughs> and really kind of overdue considering the racist <laughs> film it's based on. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you don't know Song of the South, you won't get any shady vibes from the attraction no. itself. But, you know, Yeesh. besides the dark past, the ride itself is one of my favorite water rides. And yes, prepare to get soaked while you're riding it. <laughs> it currently, and I'm expecting after the refurb as well, features a wonderful array of animatronic characters and elaborate show scenes, as well as earworm-inducing music and really fun drops. <laughs> There's one indoor part of the attraction that really surprised me because I'd never experienced a drop hill with an, I guess you could call it a slide back up portion. Oh. <laughs> Basically, not only do you drop really fast, but you slide right back up really fast and it's <laughs> thrilling. <laughs> There's a massive drop at the end, obviously, which you can also see from the outside. And it's yeah. one of the best places to get some really funny ride photos. <laughs> at Walt Disney World. Yeah, yeah. And then the sign just says, you may get wet. Yeah. <laughs> and I see many people coming out. Emphasis on totally the wet. Totally soaked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Jungle Cruise is a riverboat attraction that is located in Adventureland and is must-do for fans of comedy and classic rides. Yeah. This one is True. much more enjoyable if you have a good grasp on the English language, as the whole attraction is filled with puns galore and great dad jokes. But even if you don't, you know, I've done it in Japan. It's still an enjoyable chill ride, great for after lunch, and <laughs> features several cute and simple animatronics. Yeah. The whole ride is themed to Depression-era British outpost on the Amazon River, operated by the fictional company The Jungle Navigation Co. One insider tip for theme park nerds like me, keep your eyes peeled near the hippo pool. A piece of downed airplane can be seen along the shoreline. This is the back half of the Lockheed Model 12 Electra Jr., previously found at the now-defunct The Great Movie Ride at Disney's Hollywood Studios <laughs> in the Casablanca scene. Smart. <laughs> yeah, be efficient. Yeah. <laughs> also, be aware that if you're visiting around the holidays, you won't be getting the regular Jungle Cruise, but a holiday overlay known as the Jingle Cruise, yeah. which is also super fun and super kitsch. You know, in our series, I think it's become clear that each park has its own advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. Besides Discoveryland and Tomorrowland, one of the most striking contrasts is the respective version of Fantasyland. In Paris, the concept revolves around European countries, specifically the different areas of Fantasyland represent different countries around Europe. Check out our Fantasyland Deep Dive episode for more on that. Yeah. <laughs> Niels explains it beautifully in that episode. Not counting the additions of later years, Fantasyland at Walt Disney World feels very much like a Bavarian village, architecturally speaking, that is, yeah. with some colorful tent integration here and there. New additions like the gorgeous Tangled restrooms, which feature the fabulous lanterns from the film, yeah. as well as the entire new Fantasyland area, which includes Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Journey of the Little Mermaid, Be Our Guest Restaurant, and Dumbo the Flying Elephants, all have their own unique styles and break away from the traditional Fantasyland, mostly by reflecting the intellectual property that they are based off of. It's also worth noting how much larger Fantasyland is in Walt Disney World. Yeah. This is something that really surprised me on my first visit to the Magic Kingdom. As an international visitor who's only been to Disneyland Paris, definitely check out the following attractions. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, an e-ticket family-style coaster with fabulous animatronics based on the film Snow White, 
Also, be sure to get a fast pass for this one if you can manage it, because, yep. oh my gosh, the line <laughs> is super long. And before I forget, I also want to mention that there are no paper fast passes at Walt Disney World. You have to use the app. Yep. Journey of the Little Mermaid, which is an Omnimover. Think Phantom Manor. Dark Ride showcasing the Journey of the Little Mermaid. So, of course, the theme is completely different. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is a cute dark ride. The Barnstormer, which is a really cute outdoor family coaster starring Goofy. And check out Mickey's Filler Magic at Walt Disney World, because, okay, you can technically see it in Paris, but check out the original in the States, because it's so much more immersive mm-hmm. and impressive than the minimalized version we have in Paris. You've yep. got animatronics, you've got multiple screens. I agree. The Beer Guest Restaurant is also another exclusive dining experience that immerses parkours into the animated film Beauty and the Beast. Imagineering really did a great job. The main dining room resembles the ballroom where Belle and the Beast dance in the iconic scene. Large windows overlook a winterscape where it's always snowing. And there's even a restaurant-exclusive Beast meet and greet, which is really fun. That's really cool. Yeah, as well as a lovely enchanted Pepper's Ghost Rose that looks pretty cool in person. Yeah. The menu is American French, and it's premium dining experience again, so expect to leave some francs on the table. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) if you don't want to pay too much, you can also have uh, breakfast over there. Oh, yeah. If you have a quick service dining plan, you can even use your uh, quick service credits uh, over there. So um, Yeah, great tip if you want to just experience the atmosphere. the more affordable uh, (laughs) way to get in. Totally. Last but not least, the Enchanted Tales with Belle is a unique interactive show slash character meet and greet experience. It's especially fun if you have kids. Um, If you're an adults-only party, this one might be a skip if you're short on time. (laughs) However, there's an impressive Enchanted Mirror that turns into a door doorway transformation scene that is always worth checking out in my opinion so go see the mirror and then uh, leave (laughs) chicken out (laughs) (laughs) heading over to paris details is the name of the game there might be less overall but almost everything that can be found in both parks is more detailed and elaborate in paris this goes for attractions as well as the gorgeous facades of the buildings attractions you won't find at disney world so be sure to check them out if this is your once in a lifetime trip to paris include pinocchio's voyage a classic Fantasyland Disney Park dark ride that features simple animatronics and elaborately painted wooden sets. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, another classic dark ride. Basically, Snow White's scary adventures before they turned down the scary in California. Alice's Curious Labyrinth, a walkthrough maze with fun water features in the summer, and a small Queen of Hearts castle that you can actually climb and get a great view of Fantasyland as well as a hidden Mickey. (laughs) Storybook Canal, which is a gentle boat ride featuring miniature scenes from various Disney films. And Casey Jr., which technically is a family coaster, but it's so slow. <laughs> Let's just call it a Disneyland Paris Express. <laughs> Fun fact, this was the first quote-unquote roller coaster to feature synchronized onboard yeah. audio, which is pretty yeah. cool. One interesting detail that you may have never noticed is that it's a small world. If you look at the sky, or I guess the ceiling, mm-hmm. in Paris, it's colored dark yeah. blue. Whereas in the States, it's kept in complete black. Oh, right. So that's one of those funny little differences. Yeah, I think I yeah. prefer the dark because the ceiling in Paris looks a bit like an um, office uh, ceiling to me. <laughs> With a styrofoam yeah. uh, boards or whatever exactly. material that is. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I think I well prefer it's a small world in Paris Yeah. in general, but uh, the ceiling... It might be better in yeah, uh, Magic yeah. Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you pointed out. Yeah. Uh, Niels, well, our day at the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park has been exhausting. Why don't you bring us over to some nice, relaxing <laughs> hotels and resorts so we can put our feet up, get some sleep and hang yeah, out by the exactly. pool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's have a look at, uh, well, some of the biggest differences between the hotels in Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney World. 
So obviously the biggest difference is the choice of hotels. Disneyland Paris offers six official hotels, a cabin park and well, a center parks formula called uh, Village Nature Paris. The six hotels are on walking distance uh, from right above the park gates up to a 20 minute walk. The cabin park and the cottage park are on a five to 10 minutes drive. But when we have a look at Walt Disney World, there are around 30 <laughs> hotel resort options. So uh, yeah, a massive difference. That means several things. First of all, you can't walk to the parks <laughs> or for sure not to all parks uh, or Disney Springs yeah. from the hotels uh, like you can in Paris. And with so many hotels to choose from, you really need to make a choice based on budget, distance to your favorite destinations and theming. And that last thing, the theme is what really makes uh, the hotel resort experience different from each other. So for instance, there's a beautiful, high quality, exotic place called uh, the Polynesian Resort. Now getting a Moana theme, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. so cool. <laughs> and you can meet uh, Lilo and Stitch uh, over there. But for instance, you also have Pop Century. That's a budget uh, resort, which takes you back to the time of pop music and pop culture. While Art of Animation, also a budget hotel with really nice Disney and Pixar animated feature film touches, including some huge characters with all the buildings. You have the Grand Floridian, another well high price choice that looks very much like the Disneyland Hotel in Paris. You have some beach club that have touches of the Newport Bay Club Hotel in Paris. So there are some similarities, but overall there are many, many more choices theming wise over in the Walt Disney World. For instance, if you like wilderness and wildlife animals, then you have uh, Fort uh, Wilderness with its uh, cabins or Animal Kingdom Lodge with wildlife like uh, giraffes right in front of you. There are many, many options and all themed nicely and different. It's really hard to choose. We stayed at the uh, Caribbean Beach Resort uh, for <laughs> many, many days. And that resort has a beautiful colonial Spanish fort as the theme of their main pool with cannons and, well, so nice. Yeah, a bit of Pirates of the Caribbean vibes, actually. The buildings itself were clustered in colorful exotic villages, uh, each with the name of a Caribbean island. A lot of water, an island with uh, nice cabanas and a playground, crocodile statues, palm trees and sand beaches, a lot of hammocks all over the place. It, it all made it to a really Caribbean vibe. It's a really nice place. Some food options over there also included Caribbean or exotic flavors and Sebastian's uh, Bistro, referring to the Little Mermaid. That's the table service restaurant over there, which is a bit more up class. <laughs> <laughs> so while in Paris, hey, you just have a few options, theming wise, budget wise, and Disney World just, yeah, it has so many options. It's just massive. So uh, be sure to do some research on forehand and make your best choice. And uh, don't just pick one. <laughs> be careful. So one of the other differences between the official Disney hotels at Disneyland Paris and the Walt Disney World hotels is that hotels in Paris really function as a place to sleep, maybe to dine, uh, have breakfast, maybe even have a drink in the hotel bar or a picture with a character. But basically that's it. It's really a place that people go to, <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> the more expensive ones also offer a pool, but Overall, it's quite traditional hotel activities that well, are mostly enjoyed at the start or the, the end of a day. During the day, these Disneyland Paris hotels are relatively quiet. And when I think of Walt Disney World, most on-site hotels 
maybe not all, but most of them uh, are actually more like vacation resorts. Totally. Yeah, there are guests around all day, maybe less during the day, of course, but far more than you will experience at uh, Disneyland Paris. It's a really good point. I feel like the hotels in Paris feel much more like an urban city hotel, you know, where you'd yeah. spend your day exploring the city and then just come back in the evening to relax a little bit. Yeah. That's a really interesting take. I completely agree. Yeah. And well, the warm Florida weather uh, definitely helps there yeah. as yeah. the Disney World resorts they have more food options all hotels have pools maybe even multiple pools so yeah with that hot weather it's nice to take a break on the middle of the day and uh, maybe dive into your pool (laughs) so some of the pools are beautifully themed with slides kids water playgrounds a pool bar kids entertainment offerings sometimes complemented with disney characters so there's a lot of things that you can do during the day. Another activity that most resorts offer is a movie under the stars. So a big screen outdoor Disney movie evening. So nice. Yeah. Usually in the pool area. So yeah, that makes it really like a, well, a tropical vacation uh, for most European uh, visitors. Every day a different movie. So something new to experience every night and not all, but definitely multiple resorts also offer small other activities like a marshmallow roasting in the early evening. It's maybe simple things, but it really adds some magic to the whole vacation feeling. I personally stayed at the Caribbean Beach Resort, which is huge and it's widely spread. But as a resort, yeah, it really feels like a vacation destination. You don't really have to go to the parks to still (laughs) enjoy yourself all days. There are even running trails, there are playgrounds, cabanas, nice beaches. There are also paid activities uh, like treasure hunts, boats for rent or uh, little boat trips. So yeah, there's a lot of things uh, that you can do there. And that's stuff that you cannot really experience in the uh, Disneyland Paris hotels. That's true. Next difference is that Disney World hotels are a bit further away from the parks uh, sometimes, as mentioned before. So the four theme parks and the two water parks, aside from Disney Springs, uh, the, the shopping and dining center, but also the ESPN venue. They're all spread over a huge area that is, well, actually the size of San Francisco. All these main attractions are already spread over the area, which also means that the 30 hotels are widely spread. A hotel could be close to one or two hotspots, but definitely not to all. So that means making a choice for a location close to your favorite places might be a consideration. And that's something you don't really have to think about in Paris. Luckily, there is a great transportation network in uh, Walt Disney World. And that's also a big difference, uh, I think, uh, when you compare the two resorts. They have hundreds of free shuttle buses. They have multiple monorails. You now have the Skyliner gondola system. There are multiple ferries, friendship boats. There's always multiple ways to get to your uh, destination. And uh, it will take a lot more time to get to places than in Paris, but... Hey, it's your vacation, so relax and enjoy the ride. Yeah, but you really need to plan in some time for these transfers because it's not as easy as in Paris to just, you know, switch from Studios Park to Disneyland Park and back. And it's just a whole different vibe. Everything is right there in Paris. and, uh, And here you really have to, well... Plan your day also because of the transportation. But the nice thing, by the way, is that transportation also has its own soundtracks. When they're going to a specific park, then they might have some announcements or music from that park. Or when you're heading back to your resort, you already hear the soundtrack that is also available in your resort. So you're getting back into the mood of your resort. So that's uh, yeah, a really nice touch. And you can even order, a, well, a cab or an Uber or other rideshare systems like Lyft. 
to move around over the whole Walt Disney World uh, uh, resort. So yeah, <laughs> try to do that in Paris. It's, uh, <laughs> that's not possible. It really feels like a city on its own uh, with all those roads and transportation yeah. options. So that's uh, definitely a massive difference. What is hardly done at Disneyland Paris, but what is a thing at Walt Disney World is the well, so-called resort hopping. It's basically just checking out multiple hotel resorts <laughs> on a day, whether it's for, well, catching the atmosphere or visiting a specific shop or most likely for food. <laughs> so at Disneyland Paris, most people won't visit any other Disney hotel than the one that they're well, actually staying at, even not for dining at the end of a park day. So at Walt Disney World, people really go to another resort for dining or an exclusive snack or, well, a lot of hotels have their own specialties, like you can get the famous Dole Whip Ooh. at the Polynesian uh, Resort, or you can go there for breakfast uh, with Lilo and Stitch. We did that twice, which was really nice as they have really good pineapple breakfast bread. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're there, yeah, you can see a bit of the resort, visit the shop. We also went to Animal Kingdom Lodge uh, one day uh, just because I read that they had a really good bread service. Oh yeah, the bread service. Yeah, and it's actually one of the best starters you can get <laughs> in a Disney World restaurant, I think. So yeah, it's really that people really go there <laughs> to experience a specific snack or specific restaurant. We also went to the Beach Club one day, a beautiful place with a view uh, on the boardwalk area. But we went there <laughs> just to get a kitchen sink, which... Basically, it's a sweet uh, dessert <laughs> with everything you can imagine. And it's huge. You can feed the whole family uh, with one sink or even with a mini sink like we took. And there's multiple flavors of ice cream, whipped cream, chocolate, sauces, peanut butter, sprinkles, brownies, cake, <laughs> so on. It's just a mess, but it's, uh, it's delicious. <laughs> it's really like a sink. Everything is in there. Diabetes in a sink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I also heard that people do drinking around the monorail tour someday. So they take the resort monorail that stops at some of the luxury Magic Kingdom area resorts, the Polynesian, the Contemporary and the Grand Floridian. And then they visit the bars at each of these hotels to get an exclusive cocktail and have a good time. And then they just hop on the monorail, go to the next resort, have another drink. Yeah, I really would love to see all the resorts one day and uh, experience oh, their yeah. own USBs. But well, that could be a full vacation. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Would you like to do some resort hopping, uh, Eric? Yeah, or? totally. I could go for that. See all the different areas. Then they're so big these resorts are so massive yeah a lot of the resorts are really in clustered yeah areas like separate buildings like we have in paris cyan and santa fe but uh, that's more common in uh, the Walt Disney World resorts. Yeah, Totally. And last but not least, I would like to talk about the food options. So Ooh. Disneyland Paris had some well, good snacks and dishes, but the resort as a whole eh, is a bit criticized <laughs> for its food. And that's a bit strange in my opinion, as the French are really into well, quality food, of course. They invented cuisine uh, in the end. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> technically speaking, the country has the most renowned cuisine in the world. Exactly. So what yeah. is going on, Disneyland yeah, Paris? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think the food options are much better at Walt Disney World. Oh, yeah. While the US isn't the most culinary uh, country. In Paris, I think the food is quite similar in a lot of places, whether it's in the park, in Disney Village, or in the hotels. There's just not enough variety. It's a lot of burgers, fries, nuggets, hot dogs, maybe nachos, some grilled meat, but a lot of the same type of food that you can get everywhere. 
And when we look at the hotels in specific, they usually have one breakfast restaurant offering one or two restaurants for dining and a bar. And that's basically it. Cheyenne and Santa Fe got a Starbucks uh, in the last year. So that's a great uh, addition, I think. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, yeah. <laughs> but when I think of uh, my stays at uh, Caribbean Beach Resort, the Walt Disney World, I had far more food options. That resort already had a big food court style restaurant where you could order a variety of quick service meals from a counter. There was quite some options, different offerings during the day for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You could eat in or ask for to go back. So you could easily take out your food to your own room or the terrace or even to one of the nice uh, picnic benches or hammocks that the resort has. We had Mickey waffles, delicious avocado uh, toasts for breakfast, uh, exotic fruits with Caribbean spices and strawberry yogurts. And there was a lot of variety already for breakfast. For lunch and dinner, I tried uh, their pizzas, sandwiches, tacos, burgers, farm style salads. Yeah, and they also had some great desserts like a tropical tart uh, filled with key lime, mango and uh, passion fruit card. If you wanted something more ex exclusive, then you could dine at uh, Sebastian's Bistro, a slightly themed restaurant with table service and a variety of fish, meat, veggie options. If you just want a coffee or a snack or, well, a simple yogurt, croissant, some cereals, cupcake, candy. <laughs> then there was also a grab-and-go shop to get something to take to your room or the pool or uh, something to take along uh, while traveling to the parks. And that's not even all. Uh, next to the main pool, there's a cocktail bar for cocktails, of course, but also some quick bites, including uh, the, the nice coconut pineapple bread pudding. And well, since this is a huge resort, there was another quick service restaurant on the other side of the resort, which is called uh, Spyglass Grill. And they served hot and cold breakfast options, lunch, dinner, but also snacks during the day. And the offering included a variety of great tacos for dinner, delicious pancakes with fruit for breakfast. So spread over the resort, uh, you also had vendor machines, including their nice Coca-Cola freestyle machines. If you bought a resort mug, then you could refill your <laughs> mug all day at those freestyle uh, stations. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and these stations offer really like a hundred different combinations that you could make. So you could choose Coca-Cola or Fanta or Sprite or a lot of other brands that they have in the US. And then you can uh, add uh, all well, kinds of flavors uh, like uh, lemon, strawberry, raspberry, uh, blueberries. Can you also just get water that doesn't taste yeah. like chlorine? Yeah. That's what I would get. Yeah, we usually filter mugs at the end of the day with uh, real water <laughs> and some ice. And uh, then we put it in the refrigerator in our room. And then the next day when we went to the parks, we had some really cold, good water. Oh, with nice. Us. We didn't have to buy any uh, water in the parks. As the free ice water that you can get is, uh, well, a bit uh, less tasty. <laughs> yeah. So for our European listeners who have not been, the water at Walt Disney World is it has a very intense flavor yeah. when it's not filtered. So it's like a mix of like chlorine exactly. and something indistinguishable. So it's not really very nice, no. but if you can get filtered water, that's quite nice. Yeah. Or bottled water, which is expensive, yeah. but also drinkable. And if you stay at a Disney uh, hotel resort, then yeah, you can usually get it for free. Well, not for free, but if you buy the resort mug, which is like uh, 10 or $20, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. and, uh, then you can just refill. And uh, that's a good option. Uh, that's yeah, a good too. deal. Yeah, totally. And of course, you have the shops in the hotels and they all sell candy, cookies, chips, sodas, uh, even alcoholic beverages. So that's also uh, 
part of the food offering. And uh, oh, and most restaurants had mobile ordering, uh, like you mentioned before, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> and that's great. So uh, yeah, it's a totally different food experience compared to the Paris hotels, as you have many many options and a lot of different places where you can go and uh, yeah i think that's fantastic as um, it makes it easier to stay at one hotel resort for many many days as you can eat something different every day yeah that's really cool totally makes sense uh, for their longer vacations as americans tend to stay longer at the disney parks than uh, most europeans yeah well there's so much more to do right with your four parks two water parks all that good stuff huge shopping district disney springs which we'll get to on later episode yeah and even the espn sports venues with all their restaurants and activities around and oh and there are i think four mini golf courses spread over the whole Walt disney world resort so yeah there's really a lot of things that you can do there and um yeah you need weeks (laughs) to see it all Uh, brilliant so that's it No, thank you for that fantastic overview, Niels. That was really, really helpful. (laughs) I'm going to keep the end short and sweet so this episode doesn't get too long. Niels, where can people find you? People can uh, find me on uh, capturingdisneyparks.com where all my uh, activities are linked. But uh, most important, follow my uh, Instagram at capturingdisneyparks to uh, get some daily Disney magic uh, in your feed. (laughs) Yes! Now, before we go, I did want to thank some of our patrons. And you can also get a shout out with the Newport Bay Clip tier on patreon.com slash airmagique. So thank you to Anna from My DLP Life, Jen, Jerry, Josh, and Tulips. <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. Yes, thank you, guys. You guys, be sure to follow Airmagique on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for more neat Disneyland Paris content. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. It really makes a difference and helps new folks discover the show. And if you do, we might read it on a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, you guys, for tuning in. Stay safe and have a wonderful day. Yes. Bye-bye. I feel like this is the most Marvel experience of them all, (laughs) the Skyline Bar. So this bar features a fabulous virtual view that will make you feel like you're overlooking New York from the top of a skyscraper. It features the Stark Tower. And Disney is hinting that you might spot Iron Man fly by the virtual windows behind the bar, which would be really fun. I can imagine him just, yeah. you know, launching from the top of Stark Tower from yeah. his little platform there. <laughs> the whole city has been rendered in 3D and the time of day outside will match what you see on the screens, aka virtual windows inside the bar. So if it's night out, the views in the bar will reflect that, adding another layer of realism yeah. to it. So Disney's really got a fable for these virtual windows. We've seen them on the Disney Wish with <laughs> yeah, the star wars indeed. so i think they're really digging that yeah. it's cool i can't wait to see no, this i think neither. with the technology having come as far as it did with 4k or even 8k displays yeah. this will look super crisp super sharp hdr colors yeah that's really important yeah. otherwise it will be less realistic and less impressive i but agree i love this virtual approach yes i think it also offers some opportunities like adding subtle christmas elements eh, to oh, those yeah, cityscapes totally. or skyscrapers that you're looking at so yeah maybe a bit difficult because it's small but i would love to see something happening for some of the special seasons that would be really cool that'd be really nice like new york in the snow or something funny yeah, like something that. like that santa yeah. and his reindeer yeah. coming by <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be nice little touches uh, that they can do i'm assuming since they're going for this whole virtual window approach that the skyline bar will not actually have any real 
windows overlooking Lake Disney or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because Disney has this fable for not wanting to break an immersive experience and it would be kind of a break to have New York on one side and... Now this was just a short preview of the full-length Patreon-exclusive show. You can get access to the Fantastic Exclusive, plus all of our previous bonus episodes, the best cues, Disneyland Paris Trivia, 2020 Highlights, and much, much more for just €2. Euro. Now on Patreon.com slash link in the show notes.